Hey, tell me, Julian, how many O-levels you got then? Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, uh, I've got 10, Mike. Oh, really? Huh? Yeah. I've got 11. Oh. But I'll tell you what, I yeah. know a vet, I know a vet who has no O-levels at all. What? Not even any? Not none. Well, who? His name is Toby Trimble, and I'm going to get him in so we can have a chat about it. Okay, great. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hope. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Good to see you again, Toby. You too. Toby, so good to have you. So good to have you. Thanks so much for, for giving up uh, a week of your time here with us. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Start in the early career. How many O-levels have you got, Toby? I have no O-levels. Or no, 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 no GCSEs either. No, no, you, you must have levels because you know, you're a vet. So, um, how does that work out then? Uh, I've got no GCCs, no levels, and I couldn't read till I was fourteen. Right. Well, there we go. There is a bit of a bit of a non sequitur on that, isn't it? Yeah. No, we we knew this actually, Toby, and uh, we are enough in awe of what you just said to demand an explanation. Because, dear listeners, Toby isn't just a vet. He isn't just the CEO or whatever it is of Trimble Productions producing almost 500 CPDs, but he's also uh, a diplomat of the European College of Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia. And they don't give that out to people who can't read and write. So something happened. And, 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 and. Associate Professor. And associate professor at Nottingham University. Yeah. Okay. Tell us the story, Toby, because we want to hear. It is helpful to go right back, like really, really right back. So, when I was when I was ten, I was in uh, in Sunday school, and uh, not not very religious. Parents did have a status. You know what it was like. Mm -hmm. And uh, we sat around and we're reading in a circle. And it's everyone's doing a little bit of a uh, little bit of a section of paragraph from Bible verses. We're sat there reading, and I remember this feeling of it coming closer and closer. It's my friend Mark who's like three chairs down, and I feel I'm feeling really anxious because it's coming up to me, and I can't read it. And I can't read it. I mean, at all. I can read a couple of the three-letter words and whatnot, but I'm in a situation socially where I need to be able to read. Mm-hmm. This is what it was like for me growing up being super dyslexic. My brothers brothers are dyslexic too. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we went in school. We got taken out of school. Um, I think I was five and a half, six. I did the first year in primary school. And then we got taught home by my mum. And then throughout my educational journey, kind of, I was in home education until I was about 15. And then when I was about 16, 17, I went to college and did some basic basic courses um but at that time we should be doing gccs and a levels i thought i was a bit thick to be honest i didn't think i was really able to make much of an impact on the world most people actually thought the education of psychologists thought i would get a job in woolworths which luckily for me it, you know i didn't get a job in Woolworths because that would have been you know, not a great career choice um in the last financial well, because Woolworths closed down what 10 years ago now 2008 yeah 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 yeah, a long time ago. Incidentally, that was just about the time that Nottingham University opened, I seem to recall. 
I wonder if, exactly those, two, well, I wonder if yeah. those two things go side by side. Whether there's any, any link associated with that. But anyway, carry on. I don't, carry on. I don't think there is. I've been into Nottingham University and you can't get Winfield Green Flash Glimsels there. Oh. Mm. Okay. Sorry, Toby, do, do carry on. Ten years later, I'm sat at the University of Nottingham. I'm sat at Sutton Bonington campus and it's mm-hmm. the first open day they've had. The, they have a room that they borrowed off the biosciences uh, and they are doing the first open day and they're telling you about this lovely, beautiful architectural drawing. Look at the vet schools, what it's going to look like. And by the way, it's going to be in this field. Now you need some imagination, but it will be there in about a year or so's time. Yeah. Um, and I'd applied to all the vet schools and uh, I had a national diploma. I was doing pretty well in it. Um, but I said, could I apply? And they get, all gave me a really consistent answer. It was no, no, you can't apply. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, well, I'll go and, I'll go, I'll go down and speak to them and see what happens. And I sat and I'm talking to the school manager, Karen Braithwaite, um, who is one of the people who set up the school. And as she's talking, I'm talking to her and telling her about my background, working with animals since I was a child. Um, I was starting to find my academic feet, but I really wasn't like a kind of a conventional applicant to vet school. And she's writing on this sheet of paper. She's filling it out. She's getting to the point where she's like filling out the corners. I remember th- these corners. And then she went, okay, can you give us some more details? And I remember submitting this dossier, literally this big, thick dossier that was about, I think it really was nearly an inch thick on my work experience and my references, all my background. And nothing happened for about Mm -hmm. six weeks. And they got this email and they went, okay, we'll let you apply. So Mm -hmm. I applied to the, applied, I, I applied and I got a scholarship and I got into Nottingham. And for me, it was the, starting that course was the first time that I had not felt that dyslexia was a thing in my life. I was no longer hugely dyslexic. I didn't need people to read for me and write for me and help me in exams, apart from a bit of extra time. But generally I was pretty normal and I'd never felt that, you know, and, you know, I was always feeling like this, the kid from Sunday school who just was really trying to fit into the ed- educational system, but was mm-hmm. consistently struggling. So, I just started absorbing it and I started alert. I started learning it. And the reason why was because the course was so well designed. They would use a lot of storytelling techniques for the way that the course was designed. So we do musculoskeletal module in the first year. So we do the anatomy of the hind limb. You'd learn about the muscles and the tendons attachments. You do your dissections, but they also did problem-based learning, which is pretty wide, you know, pretty wide kind of wide, um, widely applied now, but we'd learn about, you know, this, golden retriever would come in and it would be lame and you'd say okay you're a first year student you know why you know why is it lame is it because it's got you know is it because it's scuffed its nail is it because it's you know hurt the foot the kind of the common things or is it due to the ankle or the stifle or is it the hip okay well what else could it be let's do a musculoskeletal exam let's work out what it could be and the more they went through these things the more it would cement what was happening you do sessions where you do mock mock up x-rays and you'd learn how to apply those, you speak to uh, actors who are playing the part of their own and you talk about what treatment options there were. But by the end of the week, you just knew this and the course was so well designed that it would just click and you had it. And because of that, I was able to get through the the course and, you know, and I, and I, you know, I managed to do it and and did quite well, which was kind of the opposite end of the, the spectrum from what I kind of, what I thought I would end up doing. Um, and now 15 years later, I'm, um, working back at the vet school, I'm assistant professor of veterinary anesthesia. I'm a anesthesia specialist and I'm lecturing 
And I stood there lecturing to people. Um, I'm talking about my specialist subject. I think it was a, a lecture about dental nerve blocks. And I realized I and I realized that I was actually boring myself. Um, <laughs> I realized that it, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same um, way that you capture someone's interest. I was using the same format that I'd learned and I'd seen my seen my supervisor, my peers use. But when I'm I sat watching webinars and and that were kind of an hour long and that were a PowerPoint screen share, and you know that feeling you get when you're sat watching a webinar. And you start to feel a little bit sleepy, even though if it's something really good or a great speaker, you start oh, to fall yeah. asleep. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you, or you sit there and you go, you go, um, I just, I wonder, I wonder, should I put, should I put a load of washing on? Should I do, should I do the whites and the darks or should I just throw them in together? And, and the thing is that because you thought that immediately you've, 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 you've missed what the person said, what the person yes. is saying and you, you've, all, you've lost and you're like, the oh, worst no, thing is where you think, I'm concentrating. This is really good. I really need to concentrate. I mustn't think about the last Marvel film I saw, which was great, actually. Oh, I missed it. I missed what he said. <laughs> exactly. And and that and that's the that's the that's the thing, is that so we all have this thing with that with the CPD or the continuing education we do, in that we we have a social etiquette that's politeness that we sit there and we we often will watch it. But often we are we we sit there and it's not necessarily the most effective way to learn so now we have a a, a company and we use storytelling we use technology and we use cinematography illustration photography and we make courses and cpd for vets and nurses across the veterinary and animal health industry which are more like netflix and less like powerpoint mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although other streaming uh, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> services are, yeah, whatever, whatever. We like Netflix. <laughs> Good, yeah. Tell you what, Netflix, you, you pay us and we'll love you and <clears throat> say that all the others are rubbish. Good idea. And hold on, I'm just going to retake that. Amazon, tell you what, you pay us and we'll tell you Netflix is rubbish. So, do you, do you remember any of your lectures in, in particular at Noscombe? Do you remember um, anything on blood pressure at all? Um, any lectures on the... No, no, no. No, no, not at all, no. That's it, I'm bloody off. <laughs> nice chatting to you, Toby. <laughs> I haven't done, I've never done any work on feline hypertension and assessment of blood pressure, Mike. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Dark clue. I mean, I want to. Was it the wish wash machine? Was it called the 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 the, 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 oh, no, no, you've the done it machine? You've done it now. You've done it now. Well, it says cat on the side. So it must be a cat one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's a glucose monitor, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. So yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you, you, a fan, fantastic story, an absolutely amazing yeah. achievement to go there. Really huge, hugely great achievement. You, you, you've missed these ten years out, um, and I wonder. There must have been a time during the intervening period between thinking, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thick, I can't read out whatever they're passing to me at Sunday school, um, to thinking, no, I'm going to bloody get into vet school. What, what was, the, was there an, an epiphanal change? Was there a, something that happened that made you think, actually, you know, I'm, I've been neglected by, by my peers in terms of learning i can't do anything i'm thick to thinking actually i'm not thick i really want to be a vet and i'm going to do it 
what, what happened? That's a really good question. Um, I think I didn't think I had any academic ability until I was about 18. That was when I went, <laughs> I went away to, I went away to further, I went to an agricultural college, um, in Penrith called Newton Rig. And I was doing, um, I was actually doing gamekeeping was the, the thing I was doing. Oh, right. GCSE equivalent. You didn't need much, you didn't need much to get onto it apart from the fact that you kind of, you know, you, you were sort of keen. Um, and, um, I was doing, cause I like falconry because I like birds and animals, but falconry was the closest thing to hunting, which is gamekeeping. Cause that's, that's what I was doing. <laughs> so, and, um, I was, I'd done this course and I was meant to go on to the, the next level up on the same, the, the same subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went into railing around Europe, uh, and I'd met up with this guy called Adam and we'd, we'd, we'd hung out in, I think it was Slovenia. And then he went off to, to Austria. Um, and then a couple of days later, I was sort of walking through this, this bar at uh, a very cheap youth hostel in, uh, in Salzburg. And, uh, this chair just got pushed out in front of me and I nearly tripped over it. And mm-hmm. Adam's like, Toby, he was like, oh, cool. Hello. He's like, I'll oh, sit down. These, uh, he's talking to, talking to these, these girls. It's like, okay, cool. I'll sit down. And, uh, he was like, he was like, oh, they're just, uh, they're vets. They've just graduated from Edinburgh, Edinburgh Vet School. Started talking to this, these lady called uh, Bonnie and Katz, that were their names. And mm-hmm. we're talking away for about like three or four hours. They told me all about the vet school, what it was like, what they would do, their, their dissections, their, how they get taught. And I was like, oh, I've got to do this. I've really got to do this. Um, so I think I spent the rest of the summer interrailing, but also in and out of internet cafes, researching what you need to get into vet school and thinking, I have got not a snowball's chance in hell, but I'm going to give it a go. Um, so I was trying to work out what I could do, um, to get there. And then at the end of the summer, we met up with my family. I think we met up, um, and we had like a family holiday and I was like, dad, I want to go to vet school. And my dad was like, okay, you've got a massive academic mountain to climb my son. <laughs> so, you know, he kind of thought it would, he kind of, I think he thought it was pretty fanciful. And then I, I switched the, I switched courses from the gamekeeping to the, the uh, animal management national diploma. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spoke to the course tutor and I remember talking to her and saying, so I want to do this because I want to go to vet school and her going, okay, cool. So just so you know, this is not the way you get into vet school. And I wouldn't advise anybody to do this. This is extremely difficult. And I mm-hmm. think it's, it, I think it's probably impossible, but I don't think there was another route. So I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just give it a go. And it was probably by sheer chance that, um, Nottingham had started up. I think, I don't remember when I heard about it first, but I think it was just, it was exactly the right time that, that it came around for me. Mm. It was quite a groundbreaking university, still is mm. quite a groundbreaking university. Uh, obviously, second best to, to the Royal Veterinary College right away. But, yeah, it's still yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Um, Centuries apart, though. A, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Centuries <laughs> apart, yeah. <laughs> um, and and uh, actually, well done them, I think, for, for giving you the opportunity because you, you've definitely proven uh, your worth there. Yeah, I was just, I was just wondering, Toby, I mean, if, if you were writing a letter to your younger self now, what would that contain? I'd probably say, um, don't worry, it'll all turn out okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be tough, but that'll stand you in good stead for later. Okay. <clears throat> Were you bullied at school? Well, you didn't. You didn't really go to school, did you? As such, I had two brothers. My older brother's bigger than me, but he, yeah, 
he's, I don't think I ever won a fight against him, but um, uh, <laughs> I wasn't bullied at school, but I was bullied when I went to college. Right. So yeah, so I got, I got kind of, I definitely got bullied um, when I was at Further Education College for about 18 months or so. So yeah, I know what it's like. I know, I know what it's like to be discriminated against and kind of, uh, yeah, and beaten up and that kind of stuff. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not nice. So yeah, a lot of what I do now is trying to get people to maximise their potential and be well looked after and mm-hmm. thing. So it, it's a shame that I think dyslexia is still stigmatised like that, isn't it? Uh, poorly recognised, I, th- I think, by a lot of teachers. And I, I, I hope I'm not doing teachers a disservice when I say that, because uh, I'm chair of government in my local school, and they're very, very good at picking up on it. But I, I think they're in the minority, uh, and probably because teachers don't have enough time to spend to actually sift out children's different learning abilities. And mm. um, would you? Do you have any advice for, for people listening to this who, who are dyslexic or think they may be dyslexic? Or have children who are. Or have children who are. Mm. It's funny. I think dyslexia is it's part of neurodivergency. So neurodivergency is, is that anything that makes you, you know, what is different to neurotypical or normal, which is mm. debatable in itself. It's a whole you know, rabbit hole to go down. But um, ADHD, dyslexia, and um, uh, autism or autism uh, spectrum disorder. It's all neurodivergency. It makes you slightly, you know, makes you different. Um, and the thing is, is that it can be a lot harder. But what I was always told when I was growing up by my grandmother, she was a great educationalist, was that it's like a car on a cold morning um, where you, you kind of, you turn the key and it's like, never going to start, never going to start never going to start. And you're like, oh, come on, never going to start, never going to start. And you're frustrated. And all of a sudden it goes, boom, and you just, and and it just takes off. And she kept telling us this. And I remember being like 12 years old and saying to my aunt, like, I was like, I was like, Aunt Midge, do you think I'll be able to get a job if I can't read? And she still comes back to this story like every Christmas. And she's like, no, no, she, she just remembers this, this utter terror of thinking like, oh God. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But the thing is that that's what happened to me. So, so I, I hit my learning mm. curve. When I went from being like unable to read to at vet school within about four, four or five years. So, so it, it, it happens and it can be deeply mm. frustrating, but, but having this difference makes you tremendously valuable in the, you know, when you get to the point of, of working because you think differently, I think differently to, you know, to, to lots of other people and, oh. um, I still have great holes in my learning. I'm not very good with the the history of the Tudors. Yeah, so it totally eludes me. Um, but ah, I can put you in touch with my uncle. No, 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 um... no, no. Stop, stop. No, you can't. You can't. No, you can't ask him that question. <laughs> can't, carry on, Toby. Carry on, Toby. So your history on the Tudors isn't very good. Yeah, it's definitely not. Yeah, I, I think I seem to remember. I thought Queen Elizabeth. I was, I was watching the Elizabeth film, and I said to my girlfriend at the time, I was like, oh. So when did she get married? She's like, Jesus Christ, Toby. <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah, it's the, kind the, of a the thing. Vir- virgin queen. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I literally got to the end of it. It's like, oh, I thought she met Albert. She's like, no, that's different. No, that's someone else. You know, that was Victoria. <laughs> that was years later. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know, these, 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 these sort of things rear their heads. And great pub quizzes though. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, um, but um, ultimately I think it, it's hard, but you get, you, you get, you get there in the end. 
but also you have to, I think embracing your differences in, is important because those differences can make you, you know, can make you such a free thinker and it can be, it can be amazing the stuff you come up with and actually thinking differently and doing something especially different, you know, if you're in business, that that's a huge advantage. You know, it's great to do things differently. Mm. And for me, I think the, the, the one thing I would say now is that, and I think to go back to Mike's question about what would I say to myself previously is that because I'm quite used to having to go against the stream or to work pretty hard, I'm quite willing to, 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 to do that. So, you know, I know that, you know, with my own business and whatnot, you know, having your own business can be tough, you know, it, you know, you'll, you'll know Mike, you know, uh, you know, it's, it can be, it can be difficult at times, mm-hmm. but that is part of what makes me tenacious is having to keep fighting, you know, for, for those kind of things and learning how to do it. So mm. I wouldn't change it. That's mm-hmm. brilliant. So next question here I've got is about Henry VIII. Um, it's, it's, no, I'll tell you what, what everybody really <laughs> wants to know. I, I, I know one question that everybody <clears throat> write into us and say, you know, we understand you've got Toby Trimble coming on the show. We, what we really, really need to know is what is Toby's favourite bread? That's a great question. So, thanks. So, you're welcome. Yeah, that's great. My favourite would be um, there's a there's a pretty good sourdough. There's an amazing sourdough from the uh, from, from from a bakery locally. Yeah, in Reese. Mm-hmm. I live in live in North Yorkshire. That's that's pretty that's pretty epic. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's very but good. A good traditional sourdough. I, yeah. I like I like a nice sourdough. I'm still mourning the loss of my ferment. Uh, it's been been a year now, and uh, unfortunately, it passed away when I was on holiday. And uh, my 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 house sitter didn't. If, if, if ever there was a middle class statement, it was that, oh my god, my ferment died, darling. Oh god, we've had to have a catcher. You know what? I nearly said for catcher, but I didn't want to sound like a middle class knob. <laughs> <laughs> for our American listeners, we'll explain the class system. In the- <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> From Babs to Focaccia in two easy lessons. <laughs> what vice elder? That probably sums it up. Actually, so, if, if you are if you are American uh, coming to the country for the first time, then I can strongly recommend that you uh, you compliment bakers on their bread because they really really preen. So, pop into Greg's, pop into um, one of your local bakeries, and say to the girl behind the counter, "Nice baps," and then um, uh, choose your bread for the day, and <laughs> you, you'll you'll be surprised at how uh, uh, how pleasant they are to you after that. <laughs> A more sensible piece of advice to our uh, cousins from across the pond has never been given. You know, such sincere, helpful advice, Julian. Julian yeah, great, great try for that. Right, yeah, entente cordial and all that, mm. <laughs> and probably get ready to run from the shop and then, and then run very, very yes. fast. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh. So there are there are huge gaps still missing. I think yeah. in uh, on, Toby. in in the understanding of your life because. Here you are. I'm going back to, to Sunday school. No, I'm not. God, what a dreadful thing to do. Um, I'm going back to the idea of, of, of Sunday school and your feeling of not being able to, to read the next article. And then 20 years later, you successfully pass your European College of Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia. 
diplomat, which mm. with diploma role, which is pretty damn difficult, I have to say. I've not done it because it was too difficult. Um, wow, amazing! You must have been able to read pretty well for that. I think it, it was a, a similar sort of thing. Um, I honestly, I was, Gillian, I was quite convinced that I would, probably wouldn't be able to pass my exams. Um, I got uh, got a residency. Uh, did I qualified? Did general practice for two and a half years. I did it exotic and small animals. And um, then I moved, went to do the rotating internship at Dick White Referrals. Uh-huh. Um, uh, uh-huh. I thought I would like, I thought I would really like internal medicine. Um, uh, I thought that I, would, I really liked the, the cerebral bit of it. And then I uh, started dating one of the anesthesia residents, uh, sorry, one of the internal medicine residents who is now my wife and saw what a, what, what a really tough time she was having doing internal medicine and decided that was not for me. Um, <laughs> but, but also at the same time I was working, uh, I was mentored by a lovely uh, specialist in anesthesia called Liz Lease. And uh, I think I now know how, I now know what happens. She, she just took me under her wing and was like, do you want to do a study in anesthesia? Would you like to do this and this? And I was like, this is amazing. I love this thing. This is so cool. So different from what I've seen in practice. Um, I now know that she you know, now what you do is you, you, you find the interns that have got potential and you try and bring them to your own speciality. It's committed, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's completely rigged. Um, but, um, uh, I, yeah, I did that. I did that for, um, for a year at Dick White and then went to Glasgow mm-hmm. and did my, uh, um, and did my residency in anesthesia there. So, um, I have to apologize now. I've forgotten what your question was. <laughs> I think you've answered it. Yeah. I think you've answered it. Um, <laughs> He's forgotten as well, so let's have a drink. <laughs> well, the, the, the question was the games were re- really about mm. you setting yourself these oh yes impossible challenges, and, and that's yes. what it was leading to. That, that, that um, yes. you okay. go from someone who who was afraid to read uh, the, the, the gospel according to Luke to someone who faces the terror of a d- d- diploma uh, examination. Okay. Wow. I uh, so the diploma the the uh, the ECVAA diploma um, is a fairly stringent exam, um, and there's a you first do your residency three years, and then you submit your credentials, your case logs, your publications, your case studies, your ICU records. The, the list goes on. Um, you submit those, and they get okay. Now you can sit your exams, and the first part is written. So you do a, a four hours of MCQs. And then the same afternoon you do uh that's m- multiple choice questions. Multiple choice questions, yeah. And then you do short answer questions and then you and you do essays. Um mm-hmm. and I at uni, um, probably likely because of dyslexia, but I'd never really scored very high in in essays. I think it all always kind of scored in the sort of fifty to sixty percent. Like I'd never never done particularly particularly well at them, but I would I would do well at other other grade, other other methods. Mm-hmm. And I was honestly really worried. I was, I was really worried and I, and I, I just, I, I thought, I'd always put it to the back of my mind. I thought, well, when I get to the end of it, when I get to the end of the residency, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that later. Um, I also wasn't the sort of person who studied incredibly hard during my residency. I was too busy doing mountain biking and finding anything else to kind of take my attention away. <clears throat> lots of mountain biking. Yeah, lots of, well, I said lots of mountain biking, lots of crashing. I'm very, very good. I'm very good at the mountain bike crashing. It's another story. Um but um, do, do you do you climb as well? A little bit, yeah. Okay, that's that's good. It's just that everyone seems to be cycling, and that you know that's Mike's thing, and nobody ever does climb, which is my thing. So I, I get very left out 
Anyway, carry on, carry on. Um, not, not competitive at all. So, so I think maybe this is perhaps goes back to, to, to vet school, but I'm quite um, obsessive about preparing for exams, but I'm not, prepared, I'm not obsessive in the fact that I try and know everything, but I try and get really good technique. Mm-hmm. So I worked really hard on how you plan to write an essay and how you plan to write your short answer question, how you plan to write short answer question exams. Or if you've got a multiple choice exam, like what's the best method for going through this exam to maximize my chance of being able to deal with the format? And I've got the knowledge. Okay, I'll try and get the knowledge, but how can I deal with the format? So I obsessively prepare for that. And I try and get everything organized so I knew that when I got in there, I would be eating jelly beans so I didn't have a hypoglycemic crisis or not a crisis. But like I, I wouldn't I would I wouldn't kind of, you know, I wouldn't kind of run out of energy or I'd be um I'd have earplugs that wasn't too noisy. You know, I would prepare for everything. Um, and then they also gave me a keyboard. They gave me a, key, a, a laptop and a keyboard to write on. And I brought my own. I, thought, I, I was thinking of some sort of a synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> imagine that. Can you explain the uh, saturated vapor press of Superflorane using Keynote C? And now tell us, please, the action of lidocaine on the sciatic nerve through the medium of modern dance. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, so, 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 so I, I have to say that I prepared, I prepared like pretty fastidious, pretty fastidiously and I also did lots and lots of practice um, mm-hmm. for these exams. And um, there was, there's a moment that's worth telling you about because I got in there and they gave me a laptop and it was a, a PC laptop. And I'm used to using, um, used to using a Mac and just the set out of the keys. And mm-hmm. I'm, um, because I like cycling, I learned about Team Sky, about how they have marginal gains. So I knew that I'd go over an extra day before, before the exams. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I would like, I would stop studying a week before I'd taper like you would do for a big event. So I wouldn't, I studied really hard and then I would just do a little bit of studying. I'd go every day earlier to Germany where the exams were. I'd have two days doing nothing. I think my friend said he was going to a spa, so we went for a spa day because I knew I was going to feel like a, you know, feel really relaxed. Um, and uh, I would even bring a, in, even bring my own pillow, much to my wife's kind of, you know, much to my wife's horror that I took a pillow <laughs> home with me. But I was like, I'm going to get a good night's sleep and try and I reckon if I add these things up, that might work. Right. So I got into this exam, and they gave me this uh, this 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 uh, PC laptop, plugged in this Mac keyboard. And I'm trying to write this. I'm trying to get in there and I've got my essay plans. I've written up my essay plans for my four essays. I'm going to write in four hours. And it's, the room is baking hot. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's probably 25, 28 degrees. It's the end of August and it's just, it's so hot in Germany, but you're just like, right, I'm just going to focus. Ignore that mm-hmm. bright red cheeks, writing away. And as I'm, as I'm writing, I'm trying to write, it was, was, it was an essay and it was about, it was about talking about um, volatile anesthetic agents, isoflurane, sevoflurane, desflurane compare and contrast all, all that kind of stuff that they learn yes. in exams. And I'm trying to write out, I'm trying to write with solubility, which is a key, key word. And as I write solubility, every time I hit Y, Z comes up. And I'm like, <laughs> solubility Z, solubility Z. And I'm like, this is weird. And I realised that the keyboard I've got is British, but the one they've given me is mapped to the German, to the German alphabet. And I'm like, no. And this moment says, I've, I've, worked, I've worked pretty hard to get to this point. And I'm like, no, but I'm like, okay, right. Hold it together. Hold it together. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Put my hand up. Ask the moderator to come over. Explain the problem. She's like, okay, no problem. Really sorry. So 
um I think they, they went they went and they found someone and they they they, they fixed it but of course I I will like I've kind of narrowly avoided having a meltdown at this point in this high stakes exam. It's like 30 degrees in this room now. It's boiling hot and you you barely got enough time to get through these exams. And I'm to, and and then they they fix it and all of a sudden and all of a sudden it works. And I'm like, right, okay, off we go. Um and uh and I managed to get through it and I managed to pass the exams. But that's I think that's the moment where where, where I realized that I realized that you just had to have like very, very clear thinking under pressure. Yeah. And actually, it, it, we so many times, haven't we, Mike? So many times we've come to this uh, seven Ps: the proper planning and preparation prevents piss poor performance. Yeah. And it's all in the planning, isn't it? So you talk about exam technique, yeah, as much as the knowledge. And and it's I think I think the technique is important. So now um, the the pass rate for those exams is pretty low um, compared to other specialist colleges. So the last three years since I've past i've spent um spent time running a workshop for other residents coming through to help them to pass so it's often not based on knowledge based on technique so we we run it with uh, uh my colleague uh, brian Alderson from uh from liverpool so, so we run we run that and uh it's a hope well we hope it's been helpful for those candidates going through it because i mean if you see if you know what it's like to go through it yourself you try and pass it on don't you you try and help <laughs> people so Actually, thinking about that, I found that with the NHS exams, didn't you, Julian? Some of the way they phrased some of the questions, they were multiple choice, but it was yeah. the phrasing. And it, it took numerous modules before you got into the into the cadence, if you like. Absolutely. The you, you, Once you'd got you it. Didn't need, you didn't need to read the whole question, did you? If you, no. you saw how it was phrased, and you thought, oh, I, know, I know where this is going. But uh, yeah. it's it's getting used to getting used to that and working through it. So that's mm. that's good stuff. But I think changing suddenly realizing you got the wrong keyboard, or that yeah. you were tuned into the wrong. Absolutely, yeah. I think bollocks to this. You can have your Zs. <laughs> I think I think I think it's the same the same the same feeling you get if you have a if you have a, a patient that crashes. It's the patients that are well that crash that, that, that the most stressful ones. If you get the very mm. sick patient, it's not entirely unexpected and you do your best. But it's the mm. patient that's a young, healthy animal, and then they crash, and then you you really you know I, I felt like that. I felt it was one of those moments that I thought this is this is all slipping away, but wow. luckily it went okay. So, so tell me, I mean Toby, yeah. you've been talking about Trimble Productions there. Do you still practice as a vet? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so I do. Um, I do occasional weeks of locuming. So we've got a week where. We haven't got production scheduled. Um, I go and do some the odd week um, do anaesthesia locum. Um, I quite like it. It's going to go back into clinic. It's really nice to be able to. I really enjoy it. So right. you know, I was I, I was um, you know I was full time uh, until March this year. So perhaps eight months ago. Um, mm-hmm. Now oh, go wow. back probably once a month, once every six weeks, every two months, I go and do a week. So mm-hmm. yeah, a few different hospitals like Glasgow or Southfield. It's great to go back and. See you know, see your colleagues or do some resident. I say teaching, but often it's kind of it's often much more kind of uh, you know being mean to the residents to, in in the, with a vague a, a vague veil of teaching. You know, oh, you um, you do it, you do it like that. Oh, it's um, okay. <laughs> oh, the evidence says. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, I see. Yeah. We 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 used to do it like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> haven't you read the paper what paper oh, right. until until that paper came out yeah until the evidence base was there 
exactly. <laughs> yeah, with nerve blocks, you could say. In fact, I've got that paper sitting here. It's uh, it's one I wrote earlier. <laughs> that happened to me once. Um, not for myself. Um, mm. when I when I was a student, um, I really like exotics. I particularly like birds. I, I love birds. That's my um, that's uh, I've got lots of birds, and uh, I, I love having birds of prey and chickens and that kind of thing. But um, I went and practiced uh, as an exter- externship in California at the Medical Center for Birds with Brian Spear, who's a bit of a legend of avian medicine. And uh, I think at the end of my rotation, I was doing a presentation about eggs and about incubation and how you could optimize hatching, that kind of thing. Or you could do post-mortems and eggs. And I was I, I did this 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 presentation. I thought it was pretty good. And I, fa- I found this paper and I wrote about it and uh, found it in this book and I, I'd I'd found this book on the shelf and I'd I'd I'd, ri- I'd written this whole area and presented it back and I was like, yep. So th- and that's basically my conclusion. I think that's what I found. And I was I was quite pleased that I'd done a successful literature review. And then Doc Spear looked at me and went, "Yep, it's good. It's my book." <laughs> 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 I remember when I wrote that. <laughs> like, oh, great. <laughs> that's good. It's worse when you say I've read that piece of shit that um, you know, so and so wrote, and yeah, I do that. Well, no, the other one. Yeah, yeah, that's good. In fact, I have to say, Toby, that um, in in the in the run up to chatting to you tonight, I um, uh, researched you as we always do, because you're a professional organisation, uh, and I realised that I read most of your papers already. Are, are we professional? No, no, I'm blagging. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. That bit out. No, I've read, I've read, I've read. Well, not most. Some. Some of your papers, most most of the papers you have uh, advertised on your on your website anyway, because I have a great interest in uh, in nerve blocks uh, and uh, and a great interest in ultrasound. So I put the two together. And your formative paper in, uh, in Companion, I believe it was, uh, about uh, ultrasound guidance for uh, for nerve blocks, uh, was my constant companion for for many a month while I uh, learned how to do the damn things. <laughs> So thank you very much. They they really help and they work. Oh, you've really read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I really right. have. Really have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, occasionally, occasionally I tell the truth. But um, yeah, I, I, I've always been a huge fan of, uh, of local anaesthesia um, and use it for, for most of my cases. Uh, and finding the nerves can be tricky, but actually your, your article, I don't want to... No, Play your trumpet too much, right? But your article really uh, made it easier to, to figure, figure out how to use ultrasound to, uh, uh, to to find those nerves. So thanks very much for that. Brilliant. Well done. Hmm. There we go. We're learning a lot tonight, aren't we? We're learning a lot. Can we learn more? Can we learn more how in long a we short got? space of time? I don't know. Got a minute? Got a minute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Toby. I don't know if you're familiar with the show, Veterinary Ramblings, but on the show we've got a section called 60 Second CPD. Have you come across it? I have, Mike. Oh, what luck. Tell I wasn't reading then. <laughs> <laughs> so, Toby Trimble, are you up for the 60 Second Challenge? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, well, hang on a minute. I haven't even got my timer ready yet, so I'm, I'm keying the whole thing up and I'm sort of sitting here looking at the screen and I haven't got my timer or it's anything. About, it's about preparation, as we said. Yeah, 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 and piss-poor piss preparation. So, so what's your what, what do you fancy doing 60-second CPD on then? 
Um, I will do less than 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. What, you're going to leave time for questions, eh? Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. yep. And we'll do it about um, teaching. But teaching, teaching. And, teaching and CPD. 60 seconds. Okay. All right, then. Associate Professor Toby Trimble, 60 second CPD on teaching and CPD, starting now. When you're teaching, there's a really interesting thing to bear in mind. The more that you tell them, the less they remember. The more that you tell them, the less you remember. If you tell someone lots of things, you can't pick what they remember. So if you can find a way to simplify what you're trying to say, the chances they'll remember it much better. So do it. Challenge yourself. Find a way to make what you're trying to say as simple as possible to let them remember it, become engaged and retain it. The more you tell them, the less you remember. That's it. Excellent. We have 14 seconds. Quick question here. Uh, Richard Feynman. Sorry, that's too quick. Too quick a question. Richard Feynman. Uh, you, you know, have you heard of Richard Feynman? Physicist, theoretical, new yes. physicist. You're out of time, Julian. You've blown it. Ah, uh, so blown. that's not fair. Toby got his CBD, and I didn't get my question in. No, I did. My question was Richard Feynman. So he said rather famously, "If you can't explain something simply, then you probably don't understand it well enough yourself." And I think that's what you're getting at, isn't it? But- yeah, it's true. Um, when you when you look at in the work that I do now, we we started by doing CPD and and just by putting it on camera, and we realised that 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 was that was a big step forward. But still, speakers, or you know, all of us, all subject matter experts, whether you're vets or other areas, if you're in science, if you're in technology, if you're in medical equipment you will be very highly wedded to what you're talking about. It's called the curse of knowledge. And the more that you are passionate about it, genuinely you think the rest of it is, the rest of the information is, is really crucial. So mm-hmm. we started to work with clients, we started to work with clients and the people we collaborate with to make the course, courses and webinars and broadcasts to script with them, to write, try and reduce extraneous detail. Because essentially, if you tell people a lot of stuff, you exhaust their working memory. And generally with things like a very wordy PowerPoint, a standard PowerPoint that's got five to seven bullet points, the retention is about 10%. Mm. If you substitute that for something that's very visual, if you're using illustration, you're using video, you're using um, photography, you make it very visual. The study suggests that that retention goes up to 65%. Wow. This is three days later. So these are in controlled trials. So Mm -hmm. it's 650% better if you make it more visual. And if you add into that, just only telling people a small amount, giving them the gist of a topic, the the comprehension generally goes up by about 40%. So it's, it's much better. So um, it's a chap called John Medina. So he's done uh, he's done a great, um, he's done, he's got a great book called brain rules, 12 brain rules. It's called, it's, it's worth reading John Medina's book. Um, But what, what we found, what we found was that, I started to delve into this more and more and more. And I was really fascinated by science communicators. So people like Brian Cox and David Attenborough, meteorologists, these people who are on TV 
and they're communicating science. And the more that they, they talk, what you realize is often they make it very, very simple, which is the point you've made, Julian. So it's, it's, it's the trick of making something very, very simple to explain it, which is actually quite difficult. Explaining something or like Mike will appreciate if you want to make it a complex solution to a problem with engineering, that's quite easy. Trying to make a very simple solution, that is more difficult, but it's often a better solution because there's less to go wrong. Yes. So simplifying things to this skeletal structure to give someone the framework to understand, they can often fill in the gaps because that's what we're really good at, isn't it? The brain is really, really good at filling in gaps. That's why when you see a Lowry painting, you don't just see stick figures. You see the whole picture and expressions and mood because we fill in the gaps. And so why do we not allow our audience to do the same thing? But we feel we must say, oh, oh, oh. And, and really, you don't understand anything until you look at the neuraminidase component of this uh, hemagglutinin and uh, you know, other spike proteins. We, we we do fill too much, don't we? I, I, really, I really, really like that because, do you know yeah. what I noticed with that was it, it brought back a number of things like the KISS technique, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. But when we've all challenged ourselves on the 60-second CPD, you are the only person that has gone, starting now. Right. I'm going to tell you how to give a message that sticks in person's mind. Right. And the way this message is going to stick in people's yeah. mind is that I'm going to tell you that it's going to stick in your mind. And you just slowed it right down. And you only took 30 seconds. So should we start doing a 30-second CPD? <laughs> no, can I, can I, can I, can I delve into it? Yeah. <clears throat> That'd be okay. Yeah. 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 Go on, go on. Please do. Um, so, um, so if we look at, um, if you look at what is, what education is, okay. Mm-hmm. Education is, um, generally something we do in a classroom or we do it online. Now we, we do it with, a, you know, an online lecture, but we do it where it's, um, someone talking about something. There's lots of detail there. Um, it's often fairly low production value and we do it. And if we, we don't necessarily enjoy doing it. And if we don't like it, we tend to blame ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. and it's something we do because we have to progress or we have to get CPD points, or we might want to learn something. Okay. We might be pretty passionate about it, but generally that's education. The other side of it is you've got storytelling and storytelling is something that is done by creatives. That's not what we do. Perhaps you, Julian, you might do, but I want to come to that. But, um, but creative, but creatives, they generally will do, they will think of them as, uh, writing books, beautiful books, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, you know, these, these wonderful fantasy novels. We're thinking of them as being the best directors, or think of it being do great TV, or it might be someone in your family who is a brilliant storyteller or friend you've got sat around a fire telling stories, ghost stories when you're a kid. That's what we think of storytelling. But the definitions actually are really similar. And essentially both of them mean explaining something to someone to get them to imagine something and understand a new concept. One side is essentially great communication and that's storytelling. Mm-hmm. And if you are if you're trying to get someone to remember something, storytelling is tremendously powerful. So, um, Julian, your background is that you're a trained actor. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Gosh, you've done your research. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty much, I think Mike just told me that. <laughs> I've, 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 I've seen you present. I've seen you present at BSA, BSA, BSA this year. But 
Um, what we realized was that a lot of people who are present who are presenting that were essentially getting the presenters to go out to teach CPD, but they don't have any formal training on how to speak on stage, how to stand mm-hmm. there, how to use your voice, how to use posture, how to use positioning, but also how these pitch and how these pace to really get those messages across. And it's really simple. It's really simple stuff. It takes a while to get into it, but it makes an enormous leap forward in the way that you, in the way, you know, it's massive. How many of us have been to a lecture that the, the, the content is really interesting, but the lecturer has said, so actually, uh, if you look uh, at this, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, answers are uh, quite, uh, and, and you get fed up, you get frustrated, or they deliver it in a placid monotone, and, and you, you can't, for the love of anything, get fired up about it. Uh, and, and I've been to some other lectures where the content has been absolutely shit, but the lecturer has been so fired up and enthused about it that you've wanted desperately to to, to understand everything. You really think this is cock the whole lot, absolutely <laughs> nonsense. But I'm going to learn it because you know, he or she is just so so enthusiastic about it. Yeah, and, it's, and, that's, and that's pushing a bit, isn't it? That there's that concept of uh, of a a psychological push where where we can direct people's thoughts a little bit. Uh, yeah. and I think I think we do that as as vets um, subconsciously to our to our clients. We direct them a little bit towards the treatment that we're uh, hoping that they'll decide. You usually unconsciously, I, I think, although we, we we can do it consciously. Um, and they think, well, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And they ask you a question. You think, well, hold on, no, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I think it's it's amazing when you really dig dig right down into the way that we communicate and the way that we say things or why we say um and er. Um, for me, I started to learn about this because <laughs> I was working with clients doing lots and lots of training and recording a lot. But also I heard myself back on a podcast I did about a year ago. Um, and I would sound terrible. I would be using verbal fillers, um, uh, you know, all the time. And it really made me feel really exposed and actually took me back to that point of being in Sunday school, you know, this kind of, this kid who wasn't particularly <laughs> functional. So I wanted to do something about it, but I realized that, that loads of people have this, Lo- you know, loads of people feel, feel like this. they feel anxious about being on stage. Um, or they um, don't know particularly what they're they're going to say. They don't warm up properly. So there's loads of things that that could really help to improve them. And if you can give them a little bit of a uh, a helping hand, then that can really help. So we do that with our clients that we work with our with our um, clients in animal health in uh, in universities. But we started to run um, workshops as well that that people can come on to to learn this kind of stuff. Or we've got loads of free resources on the website as well. That's that's you've just you've just wasted my question because I was going to say, have you got any solutions for these problems there, Toby? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is obviously so the yes. solution is to go onto Trimble Productions, presumably. Yeah. So if you look on the website and trimbleproductions.com, yeah. um, there's just a whole there's, there's a, lots of free free stuff on there. Um, so we have. Uh, our future of education events. We've got some which talk about how to take your presentation skills to the next level. Um, they are 
uh, like live uh, broadcasts. So they're not a PowerPoint site. They're like watching television. Um, we've got uh, how to improve audience engagement, interaction, or storytelling. So there's, there's there's a range of them on there that that you know that there are easy to access and you know be great if anyone's listening or watching this you know have a look and uh, drop me an email. So this is this is trimbleproductions.com. Trimbleproductions.com. Yep. Okay. Or you can find me on LinkedIn at Toby Trimble. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll do that. I think um, I have to say I don't think Mike needs it, and and, and I, I, I spent the first part of this um, uh, podcast blowing blow your trumpet too. You know? Mike's for a moment, so don't, don't, don't listen for a moment, Mike. But if, if you've never been to one of Mike's lectures, you, you should go because uh, they are incredibly entertaining. And that, that's I think one of the things that uh, <laughs> uh, the I like about Mike. The first one you don't I, learn I, I much, but they're very entertaining. I, I like nothing else. <laughs> I wondered if that was what you. I was going to crack that joke as well. Yeah, <laughs> he's so enthusiastic. He's not got a clue what's going on. No, <laughs> incredibly enthusiastic. But actually, the one thing he does is set out. <sighs> The, the 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 end point first. You talk about what you know, what, what you're going to achieve, what you want to know, and with every point, I'm going onto the catalography lecture that, that I think I first heard uh, heard you give, Mike. Where um, catalography is is a very confusing subject for many people. After five minutes of listening to Mike, you understand it completely. You think the problem you know. is you then go away and look at the trace and you think, what the fuck was he saying? But no, it, it's, it's very... It's... Yeah, but you, you, you've, you've understood it, but you've also understood that it was what you understood was completely wrong, but you had a lovely time doing it. A lovely time, really lovely time, really lovely time. I joke, <laughs> Mike, should... Mike, Mike, Mike is an authority on capnography and he's been on my podcast talking about it, so... Yeah, Mike, Mike is the, 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 the king of capnography. And, and um, talking of CPD... Oh, come on, yeah. I, I just, just so happen to have a CPD certificate here. Fantastic. Come on, let's have a look at the CPD certificate. Uh, and so you're talking about remembering important things with the CPD. So I've got a certificate uh, of, um, oh, you know. And it says, some, it says you, can, you can remember really, and if you can't explain it simply, you probably don't know it well enough. So let, let's let's go on to, to what we've done here. So... Um, uh, I've got here a picture of a cuttlefish. I've got a picture of a cuttlefish really just because I couldn't find a picture of a squid because, as you know, the giant axe on the squid is the longest nerve possible. So that was really a nod to, to your article on, um, on nerve blocks. Uh, and there's an ultrasound machine, so they're you know, ultrasound guided. And there's a picture of... Is that uh, one of Mike? That's, that's Mike. That's Mike when he was... Um, no, the, the uh, ultrasound is it's like... <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I Brilliant. Uh, that that machine was an excellent one. But, uh, um, the, there's a there's a, an anaesthetic machine there that was quite uh, quite useful. Um, there's there's also a picture of um, now. Do, do you recognise? So that's me, and I'm jumping from one rock to another. Full points here. Do you recognise what rocks they are? Isn't that in Snowdonia? Absolutely. Well done. It's Triffin, Triffin. Uh, or Triffan, as some people say. So it's Adam and Eve, top of Trifan, not Trifan. Uh, and um, it's really about analgesia because there was ice on the top of that. And what the next picture doesn't show is me flapping myself quite nastily as my left foot slides on the top of that rock and uh, my groin crushes into Eve. Uh, and I could have done with some low planet saving then because as this next picture shows, they were quite sore. 
<laughs> and so analgesia really was what I wanted to cover to, to some extent there. Uh, and we haven't got time. We didn't even get onto Spitfires. So I have no idea why I put I like that there. Other than to, um, uh, to have a moment of silence because the last surviving member of the Dam Busters uh, group died this week. But, uh, and so to, to, yeah, well, yeah, but he was um, protected uh, and flanked by Spitfires. What was? The Lancaster Bombers. When? On the Dam Busters. I don't think so, Julian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You watch the film again, and we'll all go. Anyway, I've run out of um, of ideas. So I put that oh, you've got a spitfire on there. Can I can I have a copy of that, please? That looks fantastic. Of course you can. You can. I'll uh, email yeah. it. To you. And you can upload it to the RCVS to show that you have uh, completed certain amount of CPD. I'll, I'll, of, I'll do that. Compliments of veterinary ramblings. Except, of course, there is one aspect missing. Or oh, it's become official. RCVS mm. CPD, mm. and that is reflection. So, Toby, perhaps you'd be kind enough to give us a reflection question. Hmm. Because, of course, you asked me to prep this, haven't you? <coughs> you might have done. I think we might have <laughs> done, yeah. Okay, try again. You might remember sometime oh, oh, in the great. Dimmest- okay, give the game away. It's not all off on at the moment, is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Um, ruin that fantasy. So I think for, for me, the thing to reflect on is all of us, when we are working in practice, we will teach junior members of the team. And they might be vet students. They might be student nurses. They might be people who are working in, who are receptionists. And they might be people who are training managers. And the thing to reflect on is that if you've got something that's complex to explain to them, try to find a way to explain it that's simple. And if you really want to turbocharge it, how about thinking of a story that you could relate it to? So it could be an example when you've done something yourself. It could be that you have a story around once you saw a case or it could be something that someone else has done because we don't always have personal lived experience, but that's okay too. And what you'll find might happen is that you might find that they retain the information better because storytelling can be quite powerful. So it's worth challenging yourself and reflecting on, right, can I find a story that I can use here? And it's amazing how much it helps people retain and access information. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that's good. I, I must admit, I, I tend to pepper my uh, lectures with anecdotes uh, at the risk of boring my, uh, my, my my pupils and students. I, but I, I find that if someone tells me an anecdote, then I remember that, and it then brings to mind where that anecdote was leading, where it was situated, uh, and it often, as you say, it illustrates what um, what you're trying to. Uh, to, to, to say what you're trying to, what point you're trying to make. Yeah. You can so really what, enhance it. Yeah. So what's next mm. for you then, Toby? Uh, I'm going to go home now. It's nearly, nearly nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. 
I think I think I think Mike meant in life. What's <laughs> <laughs> oh, good? Oh well, okay. Um, we we're just about to start a job in Australia, so um, we're about to we're about to start that production, is it? Yeah, yeah. Doing a project on analgesia um, in livestock and how to improve analgesia um, uh, for uh, wool growers in Australia, for sheep farmers, um, and um, we. Yeah, we've we've got a very busy sort of next next three or four months. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's lot lots going on. Um, the studio has just had a refit, so we're kind of getting to grips with that. We've uh, that's been uh, a great journey there. But um, yeah, for for us, I think we 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 have a business that we're trying to innovate with. So you can't really stand still. So yep. we we tend to kind of keep moving forward and defining yeah. new new things and how we can improve what we do. So. As, as much as we uh every time we kind of get to a plateau we seem to find it a, ne- a next place to, to take it further or keep pushing it which probably comes back to me i'm i think i probably enjoy the challenge much to my wife's frustration mm. she's a she's, she's a wonderful person very very supportive but she's like can't, can't you just you know you always want more you you know you don't, can't you just be happy i'm like i am happy i just quite like i just quite like challenging myself so. Not not wanting more is stepping backwards, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Potentially being content is probably one of those things you're meant to find, isn't it? But I I, I quite I quite like the opportunity. The the, the thinking. Oh wow! If I did this, I could do that. That'd be great. So yeah, yeah. So, so you're actually going off to Australia, or I've got to work out the logistics, but um, we might go. Yeah, we may, we may end up going um, uh, April. Uh, no, sorry, uh, February or March. But we're trying to work out those logistics at the moment because it sounds like a great idea like great i'll go to australia and then you're like ah okay i've got to get to australia and make sure everything keeps happening back at home and also manage mm-hmm. to do things out there so there's that's part of the the next step it always seems like a great idea and then we've got to work at the practicalities of it so sure yeah, so, when, so wednesday morning i'm doing a workshop with the the team out there which is afternoon in time in melbourne and uh it's 5 a.m for for us so i'll be yeah it's gonna be a very early one so well it sounds like you do need to get home isn't it yeah, who's, who's going to look after the dog? Uh, the um, the the dogs will be fine. Yeah, the dogs. Uh, the the we are, our two papillons, Toffee and Crumpet, will be um, will be uh, probably at home ruining something, chewing something. Yeah, just as normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the iguana and the boa constrictor have got to be looked after by somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no reptiles and plenty, plenty of reptiles previously. And, in, in my exotics past and uh, yeah. quite quite happy not to have reptiles. So. <laughs> but, but plenty of birds. Yep. Yep. Fabulous. Birds. Yep. Fabulous. Well, I, I think all it leaves for me to say is, is to wish you all the best on this uh, intrepid enterprise. And, Thank uh, you you've much. come a hell of a long way, young man. <laughs> I, I, I spotted I spotted the age the age reference earlier on. Yeah, you've come a hell of a long way. And if uh, if you've li- enjoyed listening to this evening's episode of Veterinary Ramblings with Toby Trimble, drop us a line, tell us, and uh, ask us what else you want us to cover and anybody else that you want us to meet. And uh, please subscribe, because it really does make a difference. So, I think with no further ado, Toby Trimble, on behalf of Veterinary Ramblings, thank you very much indeed. I'll raise a glass to you. May your dog go with you. Thank you for having me. May your dog go with you. Cheers. 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 And cut. Yay! <laughs> Talk about making and, uh, it. How was that? How was that for Very you, good. Toby? 
Excellent. And I know you're still recording. I know what happens. I know how this works. No, no yeah. nothing happens. Nothing happens. <laughs> I, I know how this works, lads. Cover it up. Cover it up. You get the best bits after you stop recording. No, no, so we've, we've covered it so all we, up. We, some, we sometimes do, except in the case of Phil the Met, where uh, we didn't get the best bits after we stopped recording, after we stopped the uh, show, because we uh, forgot to press record initially. <laughs> I forgot oh. to record in the first place. <laughs> So we had to repeat it the same, uh, exactly the same thing the next night. Oh man, easily done though. Yeah. Um, easily done indeed. Have you enjoyed yourself? I've emailed Toby the certificate. That's great. Excellent stuff. Ah, oh, you're, you're the first guest that ever has ever put your CPD certificate up on the wall whilst we're still recording live on air. Not that I was checking my emails while you were checking your emails. Saying thank you very much, even though I got off the call. Like, that's a man who's like, I've had enough for me to go to bed. It doesn't get fresher than that. Oh, it has been an absolute pleasure. It really has. Really it. Thank you very much. Right, thank you both so much for your time. Sorry to keep Thank you. Keep thank you, Toby. There. Not so, a problem, brilliant. Toby. It's been an absolute right. pleasure. We'll see you Lovely. around. You thank take, you. Take, take care. care. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 What a nice guy. Wasn't that easy? Yeah, it was. It was. And it's, it's lights like that that make me think, this is why we do it. Mm, very much so. <laughs>